It's one of my favorite days of the year. You know, there's Christmas. That's pretty good. And then there's that Easter thing. I mean, that's powerful, that Easter thing, isn't it? All right, not to negate that. But then there's Father's Day. There's Father's Day. Uh, I'm a father uh, of five and feel blessed by that. And I kind of get to be king for the afternoon at least. And that's what I like about Father's Day. Anybody else like Father's Day because of that reason? Yeah. And then I have a birthday coming. I just want to remind my family. I have a birthday coming. And you know, there's possibly another day that I get to be king on that day too. So, so it's good to have you. I'm Brian Wren. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Uh, Gary Gadini, our lead pastor, is gone for the summer, June, July, and August on a sabbatical. And so you're going to experience a bunch of our different staff uh, throughout the summer as we learn together. Uh, through actually now the last day of our series in Hope That Moves and then into a series into specific psalms coming uh, next week. Hey, so if you don't, grab your message notes. And if you don't have message notes, I'd encourage you to get one. They're in the back and uh, maybe some folks in the back can, if you need message notes and really want one, put your hand up, we'll get them to you. You can scoot back and go get them. And so we have some folks, if you want one of these, um, put your hand up, we'll get them to you. Hope That Moves has been an interesting series for us as a church, and maybe you missed it, maybe it's just a good reminder, but what is it? What is it? Well, it really comes out of uh, this one passage, and look at the passage, it's on the screen, it's in the bottom of your handout, and open your Bibles, if you would, to Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13. Somebody call it out if you're using a pew Bible. Uh, tell us the number in the pew Bible. Romans 15, 13. 1140, thank you. And 1140 uh, is Romans 15, 13. And it reads like this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope that moves stems from Christ. That when we put our hope in Christ, we put our faith in Christ, it's as if we make this exchange where faith then brings us hope. And we begin to see the world differently. We begin to think differently. The circumstances that normally would come to us, we can actually view them differently in a hopeful way because we're doing it based on God's word and his character and not based on ourselves. On our own, you're going to hear me talk about throughout this, we can be pretty hopeless and, oh, I know that I can. But with God and the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit, it gives us a different, different lens it's really a remarkable gift. And you've experienced that, many of you, and could tell stories of, it was this circumstance, but God provided hope, and I saw it like this instead of that. And that's what we're really talking about. And then the movement part is not just the movement within us, but then the movement out into the world. So, for example, I'm leaving tomorrow with a team that's going to Malawi. We're trying to take hope to an oppressed, impoverished place. You go to work tomorrow. In many ways, to an impressed, impoverished place in another form. And that's what we're about. We're about people who are on the move bringing hope. And I don't know about you, it's hard to keep that perspective. And I often wrestle with it, and I find myself in places of hopelessness. So here's a question for you What makes you feel hopeless? What makes you feel hopeless? It's interesting. I'm going to Malawi tomorrow, and I'm really hopeful. They prayed for our team out near the flagpole between gatherings. We know those who lead Malawi Children's Mission, and what they really do there is help to help get uh, kids out of oppression, out of poverty, out of, out of the sex trades. They get them educated. They get them fed. It's a center that does that. 
and they launched them in a way that they could never be launched otherwise. And with Christ, we're actually going to a rural area that has three Muslim tribes that live around there. And in the middle is like a building that looks kind of like a half of a Costco. And that Costco is the center, the Malawi Children's Mission. And 180 kids come each day and get at least fed one meal and get tutored or actually schooled there and medical care and hear about the hope in Christ. And our hope is over time, that changes everything. And that's what we're talking about. But what's interesting, by Wednesday, this is how I know I'll feel. What are we doing here? This is hopeless. These kids go back after they get that meal and they they go to a shack that's made of trees and there's no running water. They learn these things, but there's no home environment to do this. They got to pass an exam to get into high school. That seems impossible. What are we wasting our time? Why, why, why did we just spend thousands upon thousands of dollars to get nine of us there? This is like a drop in the bucket, and the bucket seems to have a hole. Are you with me? I've been taking my malaria medication, actually, for a couple of days, and malaria medication makes you even crazier. <laughs> okay? But I know that I'll feel hopeless, and I've got to figure out how to deal with that hopelessness. I felt hopeless most often at 4.15 in the morning. There's just something about 4.15 when I'll wake up at 4.15, usually to wander to the bathroom, and then I am hit with a wave of hopelessness that usually meets me when I end up back in my bed. Sometimes um, it's about my elderly parents and going, they're 80 now. This doesn't look good. And we don't even know how these next 10 years are going to wade through. And it's a bit overwhelming in that way. Sometimes about the future of my kids. Will they really live into their call, claim their faith, find a partner that cares for them? Or will it go other ways? Last night at 4.12, here was the visual in my head. It wasn't 4.15 last night. I didn't set my alarm so I could say this. It was actually at 4.12. The visual was this. The visual was I, I got up, I came back to bed, and the visual was my, boy with, my boys with baseball bats. And my boys were swinging baseball bats around kids that were kind of getting in the way. And I'm like, why am I even thinking that? These crazy thoughts at 4.15 a.m. When do you feel most hopeless? Is it about your finances that you feel hopeless? Is it about your relationships that something lures up there? Is it about your health issues? I had a pinched nerve for two months, and I was really hopeless around 4.15 when I wake up because it seemed like it was never ever going to go away and I was limited in my ability what is it for you when do you feel most hopeless what I want you to do right now is to identify your hopelessness and grab one of these response cards and just go like that make it imperfect and I want you to hold your hopelessness I want you just to hold it grab a response card if you're in the front row lean over they'll be nice they'll give you one And I want you just, during the message, hold this hopelessness. If you want to write what you're hopeless about on there, you can do it. I mean, there's lighter sides of hopelessness. When Steph Curry fouled out, threw his mouthpiece and got thrown out, I was pretty hopeless. (laughs) Last night, I was in a sea of hopelessness. I'm at Levi's Stadium with the whole, I believe, nation of Mexico was there. And the great news is my boy didn't understand any of the swearing because it was in Spanish. And when it got to be 5 nothing, I was scared and hopeless when Chile was crushing them. What is it for you? 
Will you just hold it? If you get tired, you can put it down for a little bit, but keep it close because it's on you. It's on you. And so here's what's so interesting. How about this idea? Will you allow your hopelessness, and this is our big idea for today, to move you towards God's hope? Will you allow it? What I often find is this. I just hang out here and double fist it. And I don't make any movement. Based on everything I know about God, and we'll have some reminders of how good God is today, but I make no movement and I just hold on. There's four fathers that are going to teach us today. The first one's Tony Dungy. He's an ex-football coach. He's a commentator now. But he's a man of high discipline and high character and godliness, seeking the Lord. And you're going to hear a story soon about him, about his hopelessness and how he deals with it and how God uses it as a gift in his life. The next is a, a founding father uh, within the church, St. Ignatius. St. Ignatius founded the Jesuit Society. Pope Francis is from that Jesuit society, and there's a lot to be learned uh, from the Jesuit society. It's very simple yet profound. And then there's King David. He had a lot of hopeless moments. We're going to look at his text today, and I want that text to actually to be your anchor of your hopelessness because the first line of that is now my 4.15 a.m. line. The line goes like this. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from you. So when the craziness is swirling, King David's giving me some peace through God's word. And then there's uh, King George VI. He's the king who had trouble speaking. He's in the famous movie, The King's Speech. And he's the king that was overseeing England during a time of World War II that it seemed pretty hopeless. So we're going to learn from these four fathers today. And here's what I'm asking you to do. Will you ponder where you are with allowing your hopelessness to move you towards God. Let's look at Tony Dungy first. What you need to know about Tony Dungy, he's an inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame for his coaching this August, but he's also a dad of 10 kids. Can anybody say hopeless? (laughs) 10 kids! He's already been through it, though. His oldest son committed suicide. Really starts to mess with you, and you'll judge him. It's easy to judge him because you go, football coach, went after his glory, played football his whole life, kid committed suicide. It makes you, a lot of questions brew up. But that's just one of his stories. His one son, Jordan, Jordan has an interesting disease. His son, Jordan, can't feel pain. Imagine that. A boy, and boy, who can't feel pain. There's definitely some boundary issues that play out as a result of that. I want you to hear Tony talk about this right now. And it happened with Jordan. And we had to watch him. We had to learn how to watch him because things that we take for granted, uh, he didn't understand. Um, And he would, you know, put his hands in the fire, put his hands in the oven. He couldn't feel it, so it didn't matter to him. You'd take him out on the playground and take him up the slide, and he'd slide down and have a good time, slide down the second time, this is more fun, put him up there the third time, and he'd just jump off because hitting the ground from this far or six feet or ten feet, it was all the same. So he's had a lot of, a lot of operations. He's damaged a lot of bones, a lot of things that he can't even feel. And uh, Dr. Crawford would tell us, hey, you've got to examine him every day. He's going to have abrasions. He's going to have cuts, things. And we'd find things. When when did you do this? And he wouldn't even remember it because it didn't have an impact. Um, 
So we asked Dr. Crawford, what's the, what's the outlook? What, and, and he was very honest. He said, unfortunately, I can tell you the outlook isn't very good. We don't have a lot of information on these kids because a lot of them don't survive past seven or eight years old. They end up really destroying themselves or, or having something happen that, that you can't overcome. So, of course, that wasn't comforting to hear that. Um, he said he's going to be a little speech delayed, uh, which he was. He, he's a very smart young man, but he's three, four years old, not saying a word. And we finally got that figured out. They told us because of the way things are developing in this condition, some things his physical strength will develop quicker than his vocal cords and things. Well, he certainly made up for that now. Uh, we, we long for the days when he, he was speech delayed at times. But... He, um, he's been awesome. He's been great, and we've learned a lot from him. He doesn't complain. He wanted to be here this weekend. He's 15 years old now, and um, just a wonderful kid. He's probably had 30 surgeries. He's broken leg, hip, tibia, ankle, dislocated elbows, um, you name it. He, he's done it, and um, he's had to learn by experience, and it's one thing to say, you know, don't do this, you're going to get hurt. When your child does it and they do get hurt, they say, Mom and Dad might be right. They, they, they know something. But for him, he's had to learn, don't do this because you could be in the hospital for six weeks. And that's how he's had to learn things. And throughout this whole life experience with him, it's really taught us uh, why God does allow us to feel pain at times. Because... When you feel pain, it brings you back on course. You, you don't do things that would hurt you, and you try to find out where your mom and dad are. Our, our nine other kids, if they, anything happens to them and they start bleeding, it's mom, mom, dad, and they're running to you. And with Jordan, we'll see him bleeding. It's, Jordan, come here. And he's running away, going, going where he needs to go because he doesn't feel any effect. Tony's trying to tell us some good things about God. The first is this. God allows pain. I don't know if that's a good thing, but if you think about what he says, pain brings us back on course. My shoulder had some issues with it. It was pinched. If I couldn't feel that, over time, that's destructive, completely destructive. I felt the pain, and that pain led me to somebody who could help me work it out. It's the exact same thing with God. When we feel pain, God wants us to get back on course or to really use it as one of its great teachers. Here's a line for you that years ago I heard, and it stuck me forever. Pain is our greatest teacher. Who wants to hear that? <laughs> but pain is our greatest teacher. I love the story he gave us on that <laughs> God allows pain, and those who handle it well, kids that handle it well, run to who? They run to their mom and dad. That's exactly what God wants to do. Remember us with our pain over here? Why is it that we will not run to God? We will not run to God. We want to figure out our own. We want to hold it longer. But I found as I've gotten older, why don't I just take the pain I'm experiencing and allow it to lead me to God? Because that's what he's wanting. That's what he's really wanting. St. Ignatius takes it even another turn. 
Tony Dungy is telling us that pain leads us to God. Pain's our greatest teacher. St. Ignatius says this, everything's a gift. My daughter just graduated from high school. That's a gift. Such a positive. If the Warriors win tonight, what a gift. Okay? I watched the people from Chile last night. Just what a gift. They beat Mexico. But those are the easy ones. What about the loss tonight? What about the loss in life? Could we view everything as a gift? Because look what St. Ignatius says. For everything is a gift which has, and underline this, the potential of calling us forth in us a deeper response to our life in God. So what's interesting, will we allow this to be viewed as a gift or not? As opposed to shunning it, trying to not deal with it, like that pinched nerve, as opposed to what do you have for me? Well, it's interesting. That pinched nerve, you know what it did for me? Reengaged me with my chiropractor. I hadn't seen him in seven years. A guy who's sitting in this audience today, I bumped into him there. I don't think I'd seen him in 10 years. All right? These are just some of the gifts that came out of it. How about the deeper one that we deal with an ailing population around here and an aging population, and it reminded me of what chronic pain must feel like. Imagine if that pain never went away and how I've judged people on pain meds when I go, all right, it was just, I was a couple of weeks away from where are the meds? Just give me the meds because I can't take the hopelessness of 415. Does that make sense? So do you see how it can be a gift? I remember years ago, I was wrestling as a dad. I had all these kids in my house and it was always chaotic. Not because they're bad kids, but just they're kids. And I'm sitting with a guy in spiritual direction and I'm saying to him, I can't take this. I need more control and people won't comply. And he says to me, I think you're the problem. I was like, well, wait, wait, wait. We were talking about them. And he's like, no. What's this teaching you about yourself? Oh, I'm a control freak. Oh, I don't understand the reality of kids in a house. Oh, there's something else for you to learn. And then he says this, hey, you'll have control one day. Your garage will be clean. You'll be able to have it every way you want. The front hallway, there'll be no shoes there. But he says, all the life will be gone. He said, life is found with the messiness. Why are you trying to clean it up and lose all the life? Oh, still gets me. So now I walk around my house, come out of my bedroom. There's a lot of life going on here. <laughs> Look at all these gifts that they have for dad today. It's not even Father's Day. I'm still working on that one. But man, it stuck with me. Everything's a gift, good or bad, to lead us towards God and obviously to learn about ourselves. It's like this. What God wants to do is stop holding it with two hands and take responsibility and deal with it, but give up the other hand. God, help. Yes, God, I got it, but help. That's the posture he wants. That's what David's reminded us. Open up the Psalm 62, and I hope this can be an anchor for you. Psalm 62, uh, call it out in the Pew Bible. Somebody gets there. Verses 5 to 8. Five seventy-two. What's interesting, when we allow these gifts to be 
something that we allow to teach us, sometimes they will take us places that we would have never gotten otherwise. Did you hear that? If we hold on and don't let go and let God lead us, okay, because that's what he's really saying, let me lead you. You can trust me, and that's what this psalm's going to say. It leads us, to, we don't allow ourselves to get to certain places. So it's as if I wanted to get from A to B with my pinched nerve. But you know what? When I let go, God took me to C and D and showed me so much more. I think about that with going back to graduation, my daughter's college funding, our kids' college funding. How are you supposed to fund five kids' college funding? Okay, four kids' college funding. How are you supposed to do that? All right, and actually save for retirement and have a life? Uh, what's the formula there? Just bag loads of money. That's what it is. That's the formula, it seems. Just tons of money. Or crazy intervention from God. And in my journals, I would go back with that problem to him. This is hopeless, God. This is hopeless. This is hopeless. Then he brought me a man and said, well, did you ever think about this? And he showed me a way. This is hopeless, God. This is hopeless. And then I watched how he took us to C and I, instead of B, and he didn't fund it in the way I thought he would, but he funded it. And it was miraculous, almost It is amazing when I look back on it. It was worth the journey. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's worth the journey to ride out, ride out the hopelessness, to let God show you something. It's not there with my mom and dad, though, right now. It's not that clean. I'm still wanting to get from A to B, and I haven't seen a C, D, E, or F yet. All as I know, B doesn't look good, and I don't know how we're going to get there. But look what King David says. This is my 415 phrase a gift from God. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. In some versions, it says rest in God alone. My hope comes from you. Notice it it doesn't say this. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. No, no, no. Oh, soul, soul, you're lost again. Soul, hey, soul, soul, get over here. You're lost again. Soul, soul, here's a reminder for you. Soul, Find rest in God. You easily wander, soul. Isn't that the truth? My soul so easily wanders. And then there's this core statement. My hope comes from you. Do a little dance here with me. Notice all the mys, because the mys are all for you. You have a soul, that's yours. Next mys, your hope, my. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. What David is telling us here, he is the most stable thing that you can stand on. Financial security you can't stand on. Health you can't stand on. Relationship you can't stand on. Career you can't stand on. We know this, but boy, why do I forget that at 4.15? As opposed to climb back up on the rock. All right, this is the stable, safe place. Look at the next one. And my salvation. He's the rescuer of your fears. He's the rescuer of your pain. He will rescue from all that sin you've committed and you've got to get off you because you feel horrid. He's the God of salvation. He is the rescuer. See, what happens is we're here, two-fisted. We don't even give him a chance to be the rescuer, the redeemer. It goes on to say, he's my fortress. He's impenetrable. He's the strongest thing around. You can go stand under that. Our daughter's dying in 01. Mr. and Mrs. Wren, your daughter's brain dead. What would you like to do? I would like not to be Mr. and Mrs. Wren. That wasn't an option. My mom and dad are on my right. My in-laws are on my left. These were the fortresses. These were the, the stalwarts. These were the strong towers. 
Uh, they didn't have answers for me. Where did I go? Third floor of Stanford, dug through the Psalms, found Psalm 130. It gave the way. I'll share more about that as we go through Psalms this summer. But in the end, he's a fortress where he'll help you not be shaken when you're most shaking. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't shake. That would be denying your humanity. So let's not get that wrong. You will shake. When I'm in a tube that's flying from JFK to Johannesburg, every time it's bumpy, I will shake tomorrow. And I will probably cry out, Oh, my soul, find rest in God alone. Oh, my soul, find rest in God alone. Because I don't like turbulence in 15-hour flights. But he is the fortress that can help me not to shake. Again, it says, he's my salvation. I've explained that. How about this one? Men, grab this next line. He's my honor. Right next to that, it's who I am. It's already been decided. You're loved, you're valued, you're highly capable, and you're broken. But your honor comes from God. I've wrestled with this my whole life where my honor, I give other people the power to determine my honor. When, no, God's saying, don't hope in those other things, Bri, to get your honor. Just realize you're loved. It's who I am, the song said this morning. It's who I am. I'm loved by you. Goes on to say again, he's my rock and I'm his refuge. Refuge, circle that. That's the safe place. That's the holy cow. This seems hopeless. I got to head to the refuge. And look what he says to do. Once you realize that your hope can come from this rock, this one who provides salvation, this fortress, this honor and refuge, he says, do these two things. Trust. Trust in him at all times, you people. And then look, just talk to me about it. Pour out your hearts to him. I begun to change at 4.15 my perspective by reciting scripture, like this one. I'm laying in bed, I can't sleep. I got crazy thoughts in my mind. I trust that his scripture is more powerful than my thoughts. I wade into it and I recite scripture. Give all your cares and worries to God because he cares about you, okay? It's in Peter. That's the passage I used to actually. Those were my, a couple years ago. Give all your cares and worries to God because he cares about you. That's what I would just say over and over and over again to him when I'd get crazy. I would actually wander towards God with my hopelessness. This is what he wants us to do. Now it's, yes, my soul, find rest in God. And I'll just talk to him about it. What's most amazing is how often I don't. I stay white-knuckled. I hold on. It's crazy to me based on how much I know about God, as it says in that psalm, and how I won't wander that way. Look what King George did. His back was against the wall. England was about to be pummeled. He wasn't very good at speaking. He had a Moses issue. They stuck him on the radio and he proclaimed this to all of England. And I said to the man who stood at the gate, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. My problem is, when I'm here, I want a light that I know clearly how I'm going to get the bee. And the reality is, when I can't see it often, I'll just stay here and hold on. When God wants my hopelessness to be like this, I put my hand out. God, guide me with your truth. 
show me your path, and he leads me in the dark, in the dark, but to the safer known way. So today, here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you to ponder again. Grab this if you have it. Put it in your hand. And then put your other hand just like this. You just close your eyes. I want to give you a moment of silence just to offer it to God. God, here's my hopelessness. God, you're a rock, you're a salvation, you're a fortress. You determine my honor. You're the refuge, your wisdom. Now just put it in his hand. Just put it in the other hand like this. Just hold that. Just stay in that space. And let me pray for us. God, we come before you as people who know of your goodness but are forgetful. And Lord, we come as people who have troubles. You told us we would. And Lord, we come as people today with a significant something in our hands and symbolic in your hands. Lord, hope is knowing for certain that your future is based on God's word and God's character in your way. Lord, help us to believe more and more. Lord, help us, help lead our, lead us through our hopelessness to you. And then God, show us amazing things that we can only give you credit for. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com.